Let's bring Deb Hutton into the Circle of Hugs. It's time for the morning brief. Good morning. A circle of hugs. Wow. What a way to start my day. (laughs) There you go. Uh, So let's, where are we going to start? Well, as a parent, you are probably invested in something like this, although your girls are past the point where it would have happened. But Ontario is going to reintroduce cursive writing in uh, elementary schools. And Deb, I'm curious about your view on this because a lot of people go cursive. Who needs it? Nobody writes anymore. But apparently it's good for the brain. So it's actually being introduced in grade three in September and Maitland is just finishing grade three and her teacher, God bless her, is old school and is teaching the kids cursive. And Miller, who's who's the older one, grade 10, did not learn cursive. And I, Maitland is so excited to be learning it. She practices it all the time. It is phenomenal. And I am so glad about this announcement. The other thing is this isn't just about cursive, John. This is mandatory phonics. And again, Maitland's um, JKSK teacher was old school. She learned phonics. And the difference between Miller and Maitland, because of some of those very basic foundational things, is night and day. So I say kudos to Lecce. This is a super announcement, and I'm so thrilled about it. Uh, again, I'm lucky that, that Maitland had the teacher she did, because otherwise both my girls would have missed out on this. Do you still write cursive? I do. Okay. My, mine's a combo print, right? Yeah. That just is how it's, I, you know, I've defaulted. But, uh, like I look at, you know, she just signed her dad's Father's Day card, her little buddy's birthday card yesterday. She's so excited about it that everything she does is cursive. It's funny because I have terrible handwriting, but part of that was intentional because I never wanted somebody I was interviewing to be able to read my notes. So <laughs> you can't read anything I write. <laughs> well, John, the last point on this is, uh, for kids who have fine motor challenges, Cursive is actually very, very healthy. There are kids who who find it easier to learn cursive just because of the motion um, than to to learn to print. And so, like, there's so many benefits for this. Toronto City Councillor Mike Cole says we should take uh, trucks carrying toxic and flammable materials off the 401, put them on the 407, and taxpayers can cover the cost. Um, Mike Cole is going to join us later on this morning, Deb Hutton, but I'm, I'm not convinced. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, Mike's uh, heart is in the right place, obviously. It's a result of, of a horrific accident and, and a closure, which costs everybody um, uh, when we can't reopen parts of our highway as a result of, of dangerous trucks and dangerous accidents. But it's a little bit of nimbyism, quite frankly, related to truck traffic. Um, and it's not just going to be expensive to cover the tolls for the city, uh, sorry, for the province, but it isn't necessarily going to make uh, truck traffic faster. And as we all know, the more time that, that trucks have to take to get goods to where they're going, it's more expensive generally for us. So, you know, right approach, I think wrong solution. What do you make of this story today where we find out that the families of the victims of uh, the murderer, for example, of Tim Bosma and Laura Babcock, that's the victim's names, um, they're upset and sounding the alarm two years later about the fact that he was transferred to a medium security prison. And I know this sort of, you know, if you match it with what happened with Paul Bernardo, you can pretend there's some sort of a pattern in soft on crime, but I think there's kind of a false reasoning here. Well, no, we, we need to ask questions and get answers, John. I mean, if a maximum security prison in this a province is not for criminals like Bernardo and Smitch, who the heck's it for? Like, who could be more dangerous than Bernardo? So I actually think we do have to ask the questions and we do need to get the answers. You're, you're right. You know, two isn't exactly a pattern yet. But is this about 
system capacity? Like, do we have a problem in our maximum security um, penitentiaries? And again, I go back to my question, because if there's no room for Paul Bernardo, then there's a big problem here. Secondly, if it's not about that, which is probably what I suspect, then are we becoming too lenient? Are, are we, do we have decision makers in our prisons saying, you know, he's been not that bad, let's move him? Or is it about prisoner rights, criminal rights? And if that's the case, I got a huge problem with that. Is this about, you know, Bernardo's safety? Well, you know what, buddy? Tough on you. You did some pretty heinous crimes. So somebody kills you in prison. I got to say, John, that's life. Let's move on to our own Joe Cristiano, the latest Toronto citizen randomly attacked by a person on the street. And, you know, I mean, it's not a scientific sample necessarily, but you got three people working on this show, Deb, and now two of them have been randomly attacked by a stranger. Oh, that's exactly what I thought, right? Two thirds of your team uh, have been attacked. Listen, I know I've told this before, but when I first moved to Toronto, small town uh, via Western, not exactly the hub of violence, I, when I would read about attacks, particularly on young women, I was, I think, 20, 21, 22 when I moved to Toronto, I would read them to see if I would be in danger. And I think, okay, no, I wouldn't be in that neighborhood late at night. No, I don't walk from the subway station late at night. Uh, you know, I, I dismiss all of the things and think, okay, I'm still safe living in the city. And that was a long time ago. The challenge with what happened to you and Joe and so many people is, we can't prevent these things from happening. This, this was daylight, broad daylight, lots of people around in what would be considered a, a bustling and safe corner of the city. I, I, I've been to Campbell House, I don't know how many times for events and I've walked past it on my way to the station. Like, if you can't protect yourself and you can't guard against these things, that is a sad, sad commentary about our city in 2023. And what do you make of uh, legislation passed last night, got royal assent from the Governor General? Uh, Canadians will no longer have access to news content on Facebook and Instagram. That's actually the consequence of that, because the law said that Facebook and Instagram would have to pay for it. They have decided they're not going to. I'm only going to know when we get there, Deb, what this actually means, because I already subscribe to a bunch of newspapers, so I don't rely on Facebook for, you know, news. Yeah. So uh, two comments on this. First of all, this is governments getting themselves into things that they really don't need to be doing. Stick to what Canadians actually need and are are desperate for. We got enough problems that the federal government should be fixing, starting first and foremost with just getting their crap together because they haven't been doing a great job of most things these days. Secondly, I'm with you. Subscribe to News Talk 1010's website. Subscribe to CTV News. Get your information from the source. Don't get it filtered through the internet and from, you know, Uncle Joe, who's got a particular bias. Not yeah, my, Cristiano, by the way. My dad used to send me the craziest stories. Most of, most of them were urban myths. One last story before we hit the uh, half-hour headlines, and uh, that would be the NHL has decided to cancel special events. Uh, play, they can have them, but the players won't wear special jerseys anymore. For me, the, well, I mean, it's exactly what the anti-pride people wanted, isn't it? This is so cowardly on the part of the NHL. I get when, when these hockey players take a stand and, and, and don't wear their jerseys and, and think that they're, you know, sending such an important message or whatever the heck their motive is. It, it does, uh, 
create controversy and takes away from what the the uh, league is trying to do. But this is not the way you handle those things. You don't actually give in to the weakest link, quite frankly. And I just it is very cowardly and wrong. Yeah, it's kind of like a, you know, a burqa. The idea that, well, a woman is so uh, tantalizing to a man that we got to make her cover up as opposed to how do we change the formula so she's comfortable and happy? Yeah, I, I wish they had made a very different decision. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Deb Hutton, former advisor to two Ontario premiers.